When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Brickland Brewing, where lovers and makers of great beers come together. Join the community today. Switch to Koga Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. For help getting your builder's registration, call Master Builders Victoria today to discuss our member support program. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. They might be able to finish it off here. Poibier has been fed by Kane. He has finished it off and finished it off in style. Spurs are sailing through into the knockout stages and they're going to be top of the group to boot. Corner is a good one, Van Dijk racing, the goalkeeper on the line got something to it, it's bundled over the line by Mo Salah. Liverpool will still be behind Napoli and end up second in the section but it will change the mood you suspect in these parts. So Champions League action overnight. Liverpool with a 2-0 win over Napoli at Anfield. And Spurs, uh, they had to get at least a point. In the end, they won 2-1. But uh, just a couple of minutes before that uh, ceiling goal, Marseille had an absolute guilt head chance to go through and knock Spurs out at the same time. But they didn't. And as you heard from the commentary there, Spurs finished top of their group uh, ahead of the round of 16. Now, plenty to talk about in the world of football and no one better to do it with than Daniel Garb, who joins us this afternoon. Hello, Garby. Hello, Jules. How are you, mate? I'm sure you're happy with your Spurs boys sneaking through. It's another comfortable 90 minutes watching Spurs, Garby. (laughs) Never, Never any drama. You'll take it. Bit of a concern, though, for Hyungman Son. Mm. That's the big worry for Tottenham, I guess. Um, and not just for, for Spurs, because there's only a couple of games before the World Cup, for Korea mainly, and for him. It'd be shocking if he misses the World Cup. He's such an important player for that nation, of course, and such a world star. So, well, if he misses the next couple of games, but let's hope he's at the World Cup, eh? Just on that, before we get stuck into the Champions League and, and, and the Socceroos and a few other issues, it's, it's, it's been a big week for, for injuries uh, for players that... Uh, you know, could it be significant in the World Cup? We, you know, Paul Pogba um, is one that's uh, out for the French team. Uh, Romelu Lukaku is injured again for Belgium. So with the tournament just around the corner, there's some significant players uh, fighting to be there or, or have already been ruled out. Yeah, Diago Jota as well for Portugal is an important player. He's gone too. And Golo Conte for France as well. So the Socceroos wouldn't say benefiting, but a couple of France's superstars won't be there. They've got enough... Uh, top-notch players to call on. So I'm not sure it helps the Socceroos too much. But I guess it's just a product, Jules, of the timing of the World Cup, which, let's be honest, as we all know, is farcical. It's always been held in uh, the middle of the year in the European summer. But because it's being held in Qatar, we have to move everything around to uh, to fit it in. Pause all the European seasons. Pause the A-League. And uh, and let's have it in November, December, which doesn't really add up. And that's putting a lot of pressure on players. And to be honest, They've been pushed to the max since football resumed after the COVID pandemic. They really haven't had much of a break. And uh, I think you're going to see a few more injuries as a result. And there just isn't the lead-up. Like You're having about a week between the end of the European seasons and the start of the World Cup. And that 
time to recover, whereas usually there's a good month between the end of the season and the start of the tournament for them to get over whatever injuries they might have. So that's a shame. It's just how it is, though. And, and Australia might be struggling as much as anyone else. It's a, a big nervous wait mm. overnight to see the results of Martin Boyle's scan. So the initial diagnosis is that it's a bit of a bruise to the knee and maybe he's nicked his meniscus. That's what Hibbs are saying. Australia is just sitting there with their fingers crossed, hoping that's all it is and that he's okay to take his part in the tournament. It'd be devastating for him and the nation if he's not there. He's such an important player. Let's hope he's available or else the Socceroos stocks, um, which are already, as we know, um, pretty low in terms of getting through the group, they dive even further. What about Tommy Rogic, uh, Garby? Speaking to Daniel Garber about the world of football, I noticed he had an assist. I just saw the assist. I don't know if he knew much about it uh, for West Brom last <laughs> night. He hasn't featured that much since uh, joining the Baggies. What have you seen of Tommy in recent times? And is he any chance to be in this squad? Oh, I think he's a good chance to be in the squad because we know that on his day, he still possesses arguably more quality than anyone else on the Socceroos squad list. And he's coming off a, a really good season for Celtic, but he hasn't been playing much football. The West Brom move never really added up. He hasn't been given much game time there. Great to see him come off the bench this morning and get 20 minutes or so. That was important. Hopefully he gets a bit more game time between now and the World Cup. I'd be very surprised if he's not named in Graham Arnold's squad next week. That would surprise, even though he hasn't played much football, even though he chose to sit out those qualifiers, it would still be a big call to leave him out completely. So I expect him to be named, but it's probably something that Graham Arnold is mulling over at the moment, and it's not a certainty. It just, all of it brings to the boil the fact that Tom Rogic didn't have his club situation sorted at all when he left Celtic. I don't think he quite knew what he wanted to do and where he wanted to go. We all thought there was something sorted for him, probably a big money move to Asia, but it hasn't been the case. I mean, I know that when it came to that move to West Brom, around the same time, he was still speaking to A-League clubs about whether there was something that was perhaps better suited to him. So he didn't really know where he wanted to go. And West Brom's probably not the best club for him, considering how well he played at Celtic last season. He could have jumped up a couple of notches, I think, into a different league. But he just probably wanted a break from Celtic and, and wasn't quite sure what he wanted to do. And that's probably left him in the situation now where... Yeah, Socceroos' spot is not guaranteed ahead of the World Cup. And six months ago, he was our bona fide best player. So hopefully he gets a bit more game time. I'd expect him to be named, but it's not a lock, not at all. Yeah, new manager at West Brom too makes things interesting. It could be a positive or, or it could be a negative. Just, just on Tom, it's hard to get a read on Tom because we don't hear from Tom and we don't really hear from the people <laughs> around him. Is he is he desperate to play for the Socceroos? Is it just a bonus if he plays the Socceroos? Do we know how he sort of feels about playing for the national team right now? I would say even the people closest to Tom Rogic wouldn't know that. He is a reclusive character and he keeps his cards very close to his chest. And I think he does care about playing for Australia a lot. I just don't think he likes everything that comes with being an international footballer and a high-profile footballer. It's just not for him. Um, but he certainly cares about being on the, the big stage and, and wearing our national team shirt. That's yeah, I think he wants to go to the World Cup, it's my understanding. Uh, but there's something about him at the moment um, that probably has him a bit uncertain in his own mind about how passionate he is about his football career in general. That's been clear since he left Celtic. So, yeah, I think it's important to him, but it's hard to get a read on exactly what Tom Rogic is thinking. There are people who have known him 
for a long period of time who have openly said they still don't know him. I think his time at Celtic, something happened early days where, you know, it's, it's a fishbowl atmosphere of the highest degree. And something must have happened there that just didn't quite agree with him in that environment, media-wise or, or otherwise, perhaps just being mobbed by people when he went out for dinner. He, he openly said he couldn't go out anywhere in Glasgow. It was too hard. And I think that all just got to him a little bit. And, and now he just seems a bit uncertain about it all. But hopefully he's there and performing because he is a cut above when he's at his best. Speaking of going out in uh, Glasgow, if you're a Rangers player right now, you probably wouldn't go out. It's been an... I mean, we didn't expect Rangers to get through their group, and we don't expect Rangers to be strong uh, in the Champions League. And we've seen it's been pretty tough for Ange Postacoglu and Celtic in a, in a pretty tough group, in fairness to, to, to Ange and Celtic. But uh, statistically, Rangers are the worst team we've seen in the Champions League this season. Yeah, they were belted in a tough group. I mean, Liverpool last season's finalists who are struggling in the Premier League, but have done really well in the Champions League this season. And Napoli are the form team in Europe. I mean, they lost to Liverpool this morning. They had won 13 matches in a row prior to that and were unbeaten for the entire season across the Serie A and the Champions League. So it was a tough group for them, but they weren't at it either. Um, and it probably does sum up a little bit that Scottish football is, is still levels below the top. And Celtic are playing some fantastic stuff. We know under Ange, and they took it to Real Madrid in their first group game. And they've had opportunities in other games to get a point here or there, or maybe nick a win. Um, but ultimately, it's got a long way to go in terms of uh, keeping in touch with the big leagues in the world. And, and Rangers' performance in Europe probably summed that up. Explain Liverpool season for me, Garby. Uh, a couple of questions. If you look at their last four results, they've beaten Man City, they've beaten Napoli today, if you just explain it, have been unbeatable. In between, they've lost to Nottingham Forest and they've lost to Leeds at home. So why is it working pretty much in Europe and not in England. And is there pressure building on Jurgen Klopp? I think to answer the first part of the question, they just don't have the energy mentally and perhaps physically for two big games a week. I think there's been a lethargy in Liverpool that's been evident from the start of the season. And perhaps it's the product of being up at that top level for so long, for a good five, six years under Jurgen Klopp. And certainly that enormous season last season where they challenged for all four trophies, made the final of the Champions League, were in it till the last week of the Premier League season, won both domestic cups. They just seemed a bit drained. Um, and I don't think the squad was replenished enough. And then on top of that, you get some injuries. Players like Luis Diaz and Diago Jota are out now. Defenders were out in the early part of the season. Midfielders have been absent. And that's probably put pressure on the squad. So they've still got the quality to get up for a big game like Man City to rise for the Champions League, but then doing it twice in a week um, is not, and they're not quite there right now. And then you see a drop-off against Leeds and a drop-off against Nottingham Forest. And if you drop off 10% in the Premier League, you get done. So that's probably the situation for them at the moment. I don't think Jurgen Klopp's in any danger whatsoever. In fact, he came out yesterday and he said, I can't just be here for the good times when we're shining trophies. I've got to get us through the tough times as well. And he did that a couple of years ago as well, let's not forget. Um, I think that uh, he'll ride it out. He's just signed a new long-term contract and he seems very much motivated. And I'm, I'm sure the board would have no qualms about uh, giving him plenty of time to get Liverpool through this and then try and challenge for the big trophies again. And uh, in a couple of words, uh, A-Rod out the back, he's an Arsenal man. He thinks they'll have the title wrapped up by about match week 31. <laughs> can, can they win it this year? Can, can they challenge City all the way? I thought you'd ask me this question. Um, 
I think they can give it a little shake. I think they can certainly finish second. I can't see them winning it. I mean, if you look at the last five years, the teams that have won the title, I mean, City have won four of those five, Liverpool won. It's, it's points totals, jewels that mm. are around 95 to 100 points. I mean, you're required to produce remarkable consistency, week in, week out. You cannot slip up. And you're asking an Arsenal side that has been fantastic in the first part of the season and could well finish second to jump up from a team that's finished sixth, fifth, eighth a couple of years in a row and now jump up into that 95-point bracket, that's a very big ask. In the second half of the season, they're going to have Europa League knockouts. Their squad's going to be tested twice a week. They've got a young team as well. Mentally and physically, those players are going to be pushed. Can they do it week in, week out, under big pressure with the title on the line? I can't see that happening. I think most Arsenal fans know deep down it's probably unlikely, especially against a Man City side with Erling Haaland at the top of the attack. If Haaland Haaland goes down for a... A while, maybe that opens things up a little bit, but I still can't see it happening either way. I don't see anyone toppling City. If Arsenal finish second or simply get it back into the Champions League, they haven't been in the Champions League in five years. This is their sixth season out of it. I think fans should be happy with that, and then you try and add a couple of big signings in the off-season and give it another crack. They're on the right track. They should be happy with that. I can't see them winning it, but... Hey, we said that when Leicester managed to uh, to do it in 2016. So crazier things have happened. Gabby, as always, uh, thanks to your time. Plenty to talk about in the world of football with Daniel Garp. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.